everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, great to have you with us today. Welcome if you're a guest with us. Uh, like Scott said, don't be afraid to uh, fill out that uh, Connect card. Nobody's going to bug you this week, but uh, we just want to thank you for being here. Uh, the story of my life. We begin a new series uh, on September the 21st. Uh, it's going to be a big day here at Coastal. And when we say big day, what we mean by that is that we really encourage everybody uh, who comes to Coastal to kind of pull out all the stops and uh, invite and bring your friends on that day because uh, we're definitely going to uh, share the gospel. We're going to point people to Jesus. And it's just a good time of the year to kind of, you know, get back in the groove of life and church and uh, community. Uh, so September the 21st, mark that down uh, on your calendar. In fact, you have an invite card uh, inside your bulletin. Go ahead and take that. And uh, this is not for you. This is for you to give away to somebody. Uh, if you need some more, I think we have some more in the Welcome Center. Um, but uh, invite and bring somebody on September the 21st. The, st the, the series is called, again, The Story of My Life, and it's all about life change. Uh, during the series, we're going to be highlighting... Uh, some testimonies of people in our church, uh, testimonies of life change, of what a difference Christ has made in their life, what a difference Coastal has made in their life. In fact, inside your bulletin this morning, there's a, a story of my life card. Let me explain this really quick. Uh, we don't have time to share everybody's uh, stories of life change from the stage or, or from video, uh, but we, what we'd like to do is hear back from you. Maybe uh, hear a story of, of what a difference God's made in your life. Uh, what a difference Christ, uh, you know, maybe it's your testimony. Maybe um, it's, uh, you know, my life before Christ was like this. This is how I came to know Jesus, and, he, and this is the difference that he's made in my life. Or maybe, uh, maybe it's something to do with your life group, or it's something to do uh, with what a difference Coastal has made in your life, or your family, or your parenting, your marriage. Whatever it is, uh, we would love to hear it. We'd love to, to see your story uh, in writing. Uh, sign your name, and if you'd like to, uh, we, let us uh, put that up on our website. We're actually going to be creating... A uh, page of life change on our website uh, with both our video testimonies and then the written testimonies that we have as well of life change. In fact, during the series, the reason this is kind of on a card is because we want you to turn those back in. And then during the series, we're going to create kind of over here on the 21st, a big, uh, you might call it like a storyboard or a picture frame. And then we're going to pin up uh, all the different testimonies of people from our church. And you could, you know, walk by it and read them and look at them and go to our website and check them out and just be encouraged uh, by all the different uh, uh, stories here within our church. So September the 21st, don't miss it. Uh, it's going to be a great, uh, a great day and a great series. Um, today is the end of a series. Uh, today is the, the end of our summer reading series, and our hope is that you've enjoyed this series as much as we have. Uh, I hope that you've read uh, some of the books, uh, maybe all of the books. Uh, we started out this series, if you remember, a long time ago uh, with a, a book called The Circle Maker. And uh, we, we, we talked about prayer that day. The following week, Pastor Scott uh, did a message about what makes a real man. And we used the book, uh, A Dude's Guide to Manhood. Uh, then uh, we talked about the characteristics of a dying or declining church with Tom Rainier's The Autopsy of a Deceased Church. Uh, then was the book Unglued, probably the most popular book uh, this summer was Unglued. And I'm going to come unglued if these lights screw up. So, um, and uh, anyway, um, but uh, it, was, it was more of a woman's book, which is maybe why it was more popular, because I know our women like to read. Uh, but we talked about, we used the book to talk about some of the false things that women will wrap their identity in. 
And then we remind everybody what our true identity was in Christ. Last week, uh, we finished up, or we, excuse me, we didn't finish up, but we used Andy Stanley's book, How to Be Rich. And uh, we talked about money. Uh, because leaders are what? Leaders are readers. Leaders are readers. Now, I love today's book. And if you're new today and you're wondering what this is all about, it's not that we preach messages from these books, but we've just used the subject matter of, this book, of, of these different books as a springboard uh, to talk about uh, some spiritual truth. And uh, today's book is, is a great book. I highly recommend it. In fact, our, our entire staff uh, just got finished reading through the book uh, together. Uh, it's entitled Catalyst Leader. And uh, it really is a great book about leadership, uh, whether you're uh, interested in leadership at home, in the community, as a young adult, no matter what your stage of life is, this is a great, great book. And I want us to talk about leadership today. In fact, look at Proverbs uh, 28, verse 2. Listen to this. When there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. Now stop right there for a second. Wow, has there there ever been a a verse of greater truth than that right there? You know, ever wonder why there's so much confusion and chaos and instability in our world today? Uh, The answer is right there. Uh, When there is moral rot within a nation, governments topple easily. But with wise and knowledgeable what? Leaders. There is stability. Uh, wisdom, he says, wise and knowledgeable leaders, wisdom and knowledge. In other words, you know, people who are smart, who are intelligent, and who have the ability to apply that knowledge to everyday real life situations. Solomon says that those types of leaders bring stability to whatever situation you find yourself in. I think uh, that's true in almost every area of life that you, you can apply that verse to. You know, think about your family. I think you could say, hey, with wise and knowledgeable leaders, our family will have stability. In other words, there's a a need for good leadership. I think you could apply that to your business today probably, uh, the church, that there are few things needed more in life today than stability. You know, we need it in our homes today like never before. We need it in our culture, in our nation, and we definitely need it in the world today. I mean, we we are just surrounded by this constant rapid change and upheaval. we're, We're desperate for stability. We need stability. And so the Bible says right here that stability comes from strong leadership. And so what I want us to talk about today is, is leadership. And I want to give you some, some laws of leadership, some principles of leadership. Number one, nothing happens in this life until somebody provides leadership for it. Nothing happens until somebody provides leadership for it. I think that's a general, you know, law of life. You know, look at history, if you would, just for a second. You know, think about the civil rights movement. The civil rights movement basically was nothing until a man named Martin Luther King stood up and said, I have a dream. And then he provided the necessary leadership. You know, the NASA space program basically, you know, it was dead in the water until John Kennedy said, hey, we're going to put a man on the moon before this decade ends. A man by the name of Ray Kroc said, I want food, and I want it cheap, and I want it quick. And uh, he invented the fast food industry. Um, you know, look at the Bible. Nothing happened until somebody provided the leadership for it. Nothing happened until somebody stood up and said, God, 
I will be your man. God, I will be your woman. I will be your student. Look no further than right here. I will see this thing to the end. I will be faithful. I, I will do whatever it takes. I, I, I will lead the way. I mean, all throughout the Bible, Abraham said, God, I'll go. Now, I don't know where I'm going, but I'll be faithful and I'll follow you. Joseph said, I will obey you, God, even if it costs me something. Moses basically said, God, I don't have the gifts. I don't have the talents. But he stood before Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet, and said, set my people free. Daniel, God, I will remain faithful regardless of what everybody else does. Regardless of the culture around me. Esther said, you know what? Maybe, just maybe, God, you've put me here at this time in this place for just such a time as this. What about the weeping prophet Nehemiah? You know, through tears, he basically lamented over the destruction of the city of Jerusalem. And he said, God, you know what? I'm not a contractor. I'm not a builder. But I'll be your man and I'll see this thing through to the end. And I'll make sure your city is rebuilt. Isaiah said, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. But here I am, God. Send me. In the New Testament, Mary basically is a scared, scorned teenager. And yet she said, God, I'll be your vessel. You can bring the Messiah to the world through me. And every disciple since, basically in some way, shape, or form or another, said, God, I will follow you. You know, I think about this church 25 years ago. And it started basically because God said, Chris, I want you to be a leader. I want you to go back to Charleston. I want you to start a church. Now, in your own family, let me ask you a very direct question. Are you having any problems today? Any issues? Is there, in other words, is there an issue? Is there a situation that needs to be addressed in your family in your life, you know, at your workplace, do you realize that nothing, nothing will happen until somebody in your family assumes the leadership position and says, I'm going to do something about this. I will see this through to the very end. I will be faithful. I don't care what anybody else does. In other words, nothing happens until somebody rises up and assumes the reins and gets their hands dirty and sees whatever it is to the very end, regardless, by the way, of what everybody else does or what they don't do. Everything rises and falls on leadership. I think most problems in life can be traced back to a lack of competent leadership. I think it's one of the greatest problems in our culture today, a lack of of leadership, a leadership shortage. You see, I think that's true today in our families, in churches, in our, in our nation, in our world. There's a leadership shortage. In fact, if you were to read through the book of Judges in the Old Testament, basically what you'll find is this recurring cycle that happens over and over again. The people were faithful and God blessed and then they rebelled and, and they suffered the consequences. They were faithful, they rebelled. They were faithful, they rebelled. You see this cycle happen like seven different times and then at the very end of the book in Judges 21-25, it says this, in those days, 
Israel had no king, so the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. What's he saying? He's saying there's a leadership void. You know, nobody would rise up. Nobody would, would take the reins. And so where there is no leadership, people end up doing their own thing. They end up going their own way, and it creates chaos and instability. That's true where you work. That's true in your home. And as a result, there is instability. Listen, there are students, there are situations in your school, there are situations today in your business, in our community today, in your family. And you know what? God is waiting. He is waiting on somebody to rise up and to be a leader, to assume the position of leader. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 2 Chronicles 16.9. And I like it because of this really cool kind of word picture that it paints. It says this, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth. In other words, now in some translation it says, for the eyes of the Lord move back and forth, to and fro. What? He says, to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. In other words, you almost get this picture that right here and right now, God is looking back and forth throughout the whole earth. In my mind, he's almost looking up and down each and every row, just looking, looking for somebody who will say, I will commit my heart to you. I will be a leader. I will rise up. I will do whatever it takes, God. I will be faithful. And then he says, if you will do that, I'll give you power. I'll give you strength. You'll do extraordinary things that you didn't think you could accomplish. He says he's looking for leaders. Number two, second law of leadership. Leadership is influence. It's influence. If you had to summarize leadership in one word, it, it could be influence. This word right here, for good or for bad. In other words, there are positive leaders. There are negative leaders. Um, have you ever gone onto an elementary school playground, and within five minutes, you know who the leaders are, right? I mean, you could, if you're a teacher, you see this all the time. Or if you work with students, you know, show up at high school, show up at youth group. Within just a few minutes, you look around, you know who the leaders are. You know who the people of influence are. I think it's also true, by the way, in a board meeting or, you know, in a, um, in a committee meeting. And you can figure out really fast who the leader is. And by the way, it's not always the person with the nameplate on, on the office door. It's not always the elected person. It's the person that other people are looking to to see what they think to see what he or she thinks. That's the leader. It's the person of influence. Because anytime you influence other people, you are assuming leadership. I love this passage, 1 Timothy 4.12. Listen to this. Paul tells Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because you are young. By the way, that's a great verse for our students, isn't it? Because leadership has nothing, by the way, nothing to do with your age. It has nothing to do with your age. It has everything to do with influence. Age has nothing to do with it. You can influence people no matter what your age is. So don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example. Again, what's he talking about? You are influencing and impacting other people. So everybody in this room, whether you recognize it or not, you're a leader. We're just leaders in different areas because anytime you influence somebody, you're being a leader. So the issue is not, well, am I a leader? Am I not a leader? No, the issue is, am I a good one? Am I a good leader or a bad one? 
Think about it this way. If you're a parent, oh my goodness, think about, I mean, talk about influence. You're a leader. It's not if you're, if you're a leader or not, it's whether or not you're a good one. Let me say this. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus today, you are a leader. And I know you might sit here and go, well, wait a second, Pastor Chris. You know, it sounds kind of contradictory this morning. You know, which one, is, which one is it? You know, on one hand, you're saying, I'm a follower of Jesus. On the other hand, we're all leaders. I mean, which one am I? Am I a follower or am I a leader? You're both. Because if you claim to follow Jesus, you are called to be what? To be a witness, to be salt, to be light, to make an impact, to make an influence. You're called to what? Think about it. To love, to share, to give, to serve, to influence the world in which we live for Christ. That's leadership. Now, one of the tests, number three, one of the tests of leadership is, is anybody following Is anybody following? You want to know whether or not you're a leader? Simple. Look over your shoulder. Look over your shoulder. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they what? What's the word? They follow me. In 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, Follow my example as I follow Jesus. Now, obviously, we're all to follow Jesus, but what he's saying is that we need human role models to follow after. John Maxwell uh, once said this. He said, if you think you're leading but nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. Okay? You're not the leader. Because leadership really has nothing to do with your title. has nothing to do with your position. It has everything to do with influence. Now, that's a mistake that a lot of governments make. You know, a lot, of in, a lot of industry, a lot of businesses make this mistake. They think, you know, well, because I have the title, you know, people are going to follow me. They're automatically going to follow me because I have, you know, I got the nameplate. There's a huge, huge difference between being a boss and being a true leader. A lot of people have authority, positional authority, but they really don't have true leadership. And you see that all the time in churches where there's a lot of elected positions, but nobody is really leading. If you've got to tell people that you're the leader, if you've got to remind people that you're the leader, you're probably not. I mean, the Sunday that I got to stand up here and go, hey, I'm Pastor Chris and I'm the boss, applesauce. It's my way or the highway. You follow me. I'm the leader. I'm not the leader anymore. You know, you don't have to remind people to follow you. You don't have to lord your position over people because leadership is influence. And if you're not influencing people, it doesn't matter if you think you're the leader or not because you're not. Husbands, the same is true in your home. The moment you have to say to your wife, we're going to do it this way because I'm the spiritual leader, you're not. You just lost it. The truth is, if you're leading, you don't have to remind people. How about your, you know, parents, your your child comes to you and goes, you know, why should I do this? And you say, because I'm the boss and we're going to do it my way because I say so. Now, that might be okay. That might work for a little while when they're three or four or five. But do you realize that's a very weak position to motivate from? when they're 15 or 16 or 17. 
The test of leadership is, will people follow you? And ultimately, you can't force people to follow you. Because number four, the foundation of leadership is character, not charisma. In other words, it's, it's integrity. It's not personality. You know, uh, listen, honestly, a lot, a lot of people in my field, okay, a lot of TV evangelists, a lot of megachurch pastors, they've had a lot of personality, a lot of charisma, but they have bombed out. And they've not, they've not lasted for the long haul because they didn't have character. They didn't have integrity. The foundation of leadership ultimately has got to be character because your personality is only going to get you so far in this life. Now, you don't have to have charisma to be a leader. But for the long haul, you better have character. Because leadership is influence. And if you don't have credibility, eventually people are not going to follow you. Reputation is what people say you are. Character is who you are when nobody's looking. It's the real you. Now, go back to 1 Timothy 4.12. Let's finish up this, this verse. Remember, Paul says, hey, Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you just because you're young. But set an example for the believers in the clothes that you wear, in the funny jokes that you tell, in your tweets, in your pics on, that you post on Instagram. Okay, that's not what he said, is it? Because, listen, anybody can be a flash in the pan. Any, anybody can have a big, bigger-than-life personality. Anybody can try to keep up with the culture and try to be cool. But he said, hey, if you want to be a real leader, don't let people look down on you just because of your age, but you set an example. And set an example in, what does he say? In speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in your purity. Again, what is he talking about? He's talking about character. He's talking about integrity, who you really are. Listen, leaders, by the way, come in all types and, and sizes and shapes of personality. There really is no one leadership personality. I mean, think about the great leaders in, in Scripture. David, Paul, Esther, Ruth, Deborah, Abraham, all great leaders of God, all used in a mighty way, but they had different personalities. They were as different as night and day. Not everybody was an extrovert. Not everybody was, you know, big and bold and brash. Leadership has nothing to do with personality. You don't necessarily have to be outgoing to be a person of influence. But what you have to have is character and integrity. Listen to Hebrews 13, 7. This is one of, the, one of my favorite verses as far as speaking to the character of a leader. Listen to this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. I see three things there, three character traits. We're talking about character here, the character of a leader. A, they have a message worth remembering. He says, what do he say? Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. In other words, 
a person of real character who's going to last the long haul in the family, in the, in the business world, in the church. They, they, they have the ability to weave God's word into everyday life, into everyday, everyday language, and make it apply to everyday situations. When, when, when they talk, people listen. He says, remember the leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Secondly, they have a lifestyle worth considering. They have a lifestyle worth considering. He says, consider the outcome of their way of life. In other words, as you look at this person and you size them up, does their walk match their talk? Does what they say really match the way that they live? And as you look at them as a man, as a woman, maybe as a parent or a husband or wife, and you, you size them up, you say, wow, is their life Worth considering. Would I like to have a lifestyle like that person? And then see, they have a faith worth imitating. He says, imitate their faith. You know, in other words, they've trusted God. They walk by faith. It's not just about church attendance because they understand they, they truly are the church and they're on mission. People see that and they want to follow. So develop a faith that's real and personal. Talk to God every day like he's your best friend. Read the Bible every day like it's God's personal love letter written to you. That's a faith worth imitating. And so if you want to be a good leader today in your family, in your business, in the church, develop a message worth remembering. What's, what's the life story that I'm telling? What does God want to say through me? Have a lifestyle worth, worth considering. Does my talk match my walk? And have a faith worth imitating. That's leadership. That's character. Parents, let me say something to you. You have those three things. Listen, you won't have to demand your kids to do anything. You won't have to tell your kids to do as I, as I say. They'll want to live like you live. Students. Be a leader in your school. I mean, ask yourself, is my lifestyle, is it worth considering for other people that they look at the way I live and is it, is it worth maybe imitating? Is my faith worth imitating? You know, it, guys, be a leader in the workplace. Number five, here's the good news. Leadership can be learned. Leadership can be learned. You know, if I didn't believe this, we wouldn't waste our time on this. We wouldn't have wasted our time, our staff's time, uh, reading a book this summer. I think everybody can be a better leader. In every area of life, I think you could be a better leader. Philippians 4.9 says, whatever you have, what? What's the first word there? Learned. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. In other words, leadership can be learned. I, I don't think there's necessarily such a thing as a born leader. I think leaders are made. I think they're made by the way that they respond to circumstances. Because you can put two people in the exact same situation, and one will rise to the occasion, and the other one will wash out because of the choices that they made. You also see this importance of learning leadership in the life of Jesus because of the priority that he placed on on training leaders, Mark 3.14, it says that Jesus appointed the 12, designating them as apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Jesus had a public ministry where he taught and he healed and he preached, but then he had a private ministry. And his private ministry basically was all about leadership training. 
He had the 12, but then even within the 12, he had Peter, James, and John. And he invested maximum effort, maximum time with the people who would bear the maximum responsibility. He trained leaders. Why? Because leadership can be learned. You can learn to be a better leader in any area of life, whatever area it is you're facing, whatever situation it is that needs to be addressed, that needs to be changed. Number six, the moment you stop learning, you stop leading. Whenever you stop learning, you stop leading. All leaders, all great leaders are learners. Every great leader is a learner. The moment you stop learning is the moment you stop leading. I really believe that. I believe that the moment I, as a pastor, stop reading, stop learning, stop stretching, stop... When I stop doing those things, this church is going to stop growing. Now... Don't misunderstand me. I am not so arrogant as to believe that everything and the, the growth of this church is totally and completely dependent on me. But I am humble enough to understand that I've always got to be developing and growing. I've got to become the leader that God wants me to be. And, and learning, listen to this, learning it takes a lifetime. You've got to have a big picture view of leadership. You know, why, why do we try to get you to read you know, one of these six books over the summer because leaders are learners. You know, we want you to be reading and learning. And, and this is the pushback I'll get when, I, when, I, when we talk about this. Yeah, but Pastor Chris, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Now, I'm going to say this as about loving as I know how to say it. Um, if that's really true, and you actually believe that, that, you know, that you're an old dog and you can't learn anything new, then somebody, please, take you out to the country and put you down, okay? Uh, put you out of your misery. Now, I know that's not the politically correct thing to say, but it was the PC thing to say, so, um, but, uh, you know, come on. I mean, seriously, that you believe that? I mean, that, that's nothing more than Popeye theology. Remember Popeye, right? He's the spinach-eating muscle man, you know. Before there were steroids, I guess, spinach, I don't know. Um, but what was he famous for saying? I am what I am, and that's all that I am. I don't know what yam, yams, I thought it was spinach. But anyway, um, but some of you, you've bought into that faulty thinking. I mean, you have, you, you know, but listen to me, you are not an old dog. You are not a cartoon character. You are a child of the king. You, we either believe in the resurrection power of Jesus or we don't, and let's go home. I mean, from what I understand, God is in the change business. The church is in the change business. It's all about life transformation, and that's true of anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your story is. I don't care where you've been and what you've done. God can change you. The resurrection power of the gospel is alive and well, and God is changing people today. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this, If the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, sure, more strength is needed, but skill will bring it success. What, what's he saying? If you've got a dull axe... And you're out working hard and you're chopping wood, 
Absolutely, it's going to take more energy, more work, more strength to get that job done. However, if you have a sharp axe, it doesn't take as much energy. In other words, work how? Work smarter, not harder. Sharpen your axe. Now, let me ask you, again, it's a very pointed question, no pun intended. Um, What areas of your life do you need to sharpen your axe? I mean, in what what area of your life do you need to keep learning, to keep growing? You know, this is what cracks me up. Oh, my gosh. I know men who, during the football season, and today's what? Today's all begun. All begins today, right? All excited, you, you, you made it to church, you think you did the right thing, then you're going to go home and pray for your team. I know what it's all about. You're here. But uh, I know men who during this time of the year, listen to me, they will read and research every single available report, every article, every magazine of every player on all of their fantasy football teams, Okay, and there's nothing wrong with fantasy football teams. I'm I'm on one. I'm gonna kick Pastor Scott's butt today. My team is so anyway. Um, but they have learned stats and numbers and names and teams and projections and percentages that would make a calculus professor's head spin. And yet that same guy won't read a book on how to have a better marriage. Their family is falling apart, and they won't join a life group to help them become a better parent. Listen to me. Your family is about ready to become a fantasy, okay? Leaders are lifetime learners. And if there is an area in your life that needs to be addressed, I don't care what it is, your business, your marriage, your children, your health. Listen, do whatever it takes and learn. Investigate, get the information, read. You know, keep learning about whatever it is that you really value, that you say is important to you. God's looking for leaders. I believe that God is looking for people to do extraordinary things through. No matter your age, no matter your stage of life, go back to 2 Chronicles 16, 9. It says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, why not raise your hand today and say, God, look no further than right here. I'll be your man. I'll be your student. I'll be your woman. I will serve you. I will see this thing to the very end. I will be a person of influence. God, do something extraordinary through me today. Here I am. You know, it says there that he's looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to him. Maybe for some of you, that is the the next step. You know, maybe you've not yet committed your heart to Christ. Listen, he's not going to strengthen your heart unless it's committed to him. You know, one of the first acts of a great leader is just humility. It's just bowing the knee before God and recognizing, God, I have blown it. I've made mistakes and I need your power. I need your forgiveness. 
You know, maybe, maybe that's the step that you need to take today. Um, it, is, it is as wonderful and yet as simple as a prayer. Ultimately, God sees your heart, and it really doesn't matter the words that you say, but sometimes it's good to express those, those thoughts in a prayer. So today I'd like to lead you in a prayer of humility, of submission to God, and just pray that within uh, this church, within this community, God would raise up some leaders. So bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word today. God, uh, you know, the truth is in a room this size with the people that are here, I know there's a lot of different situations, different problems, different, different areas where a leader is needed. God, where you're waiting on somebody to say, I'll be that person, God. Yes, my family is having these issues or my finances or our business and and you're saying, God, you're saying, will somebody step up to the plate? Will somebody lift their hand? Will somebody say, I'll be that person? Listen today, Coastal, be, let's be the, those, those types of people today. Let's be people of influence. And maybe you're here today and you've never yet fully committed your heart to Christ. Again, it really doesn't matter the words that you say. Is it, what really matters is your heart. But maybe say something like this to God today. Just say, dear Heavenly Father, you know what? I have, I have blown it. I have walked away from you. I have, not only have I walked away from you, but I've pushed you out of my life. But today I want to come home. Today I want to commit my heart fully to you. Today I, I humbly bow before you and I say, I believe. I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he went to a cross and he paid the price for my sin. In fact, ultimately what that means is that my sin put him on that cross. But your love and your power was so great that death could not contain him. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he is alive. God, I believe it. And I put all my trust and my hope in that and those facts. And for the rest of my days, God, I just want to follow you. Not to earn anything, not to work for anything, because that doesn't work, and it leads to exhaustion, it leads to religion, it leads to rebellion. God, I don't want that. I just want to live for you simply to say thank you. Father, we love you. We pray these things today. In the powerful name of Jesus, amen.